Welcome to Buildings and Beyond. The podcast that explores how we can create a more sustainable built environment. By focusing on efficiency, accessibility, and health. I'm Rob Aldrich. And I'm Kelly Westby. In this episode, I talked with Stephen Winter, the one and only. We've been talking about having Stephen on for quite a while, uh, and we asked him if there was a topic that he really wanted to talk about. He started our company, Stephen Winter Associates, back in 1972. Uh, He's been at this quite a while. He's seen a lot of trends and fads in the building industry, and he's a pretty good prognosticator. But he didn't want to talk about any of that. He wanted to talk about people, about camaraderie and community in the workplace. So this episode is pretty different than others we've done before. Before we get into it, here's a quick announcement from Dylan about Nessie's upcoming Building Energy Conference. Hello, everyone. This is Dylan Martello, co-producer of Buildings and Beyond and a Passive House consultant here at Stephen Winter Associates. I just wanted to let you all know about my upcoming session on May 7th at the Building Energy Boston Conference. I will be speaking with my colleague, Nicole Sisi about decarbonizing domestic water heating in multifamily buildings. You can also catch some other great presentations from industry experts, including sessions by Lois Arena and Lauren Hildebrand of SWA. The conference, which is happening virtually from May 5th to May 7th, is presented by the Northeast Sustainable Energy Association, or NESI. NESI has become a staple for professionals and practitioners in the fields of high-performance building, energy efficiency, and renewable energy. Visit NESI.org, that's N-E-S-E-A.org, for more info. We hope to see you there. There's no question that COVID inspired Stephen's choice of a topic for this episode. Well, it, it, it totally is, is because of COVID. Throughout our conversation, Stephen refers a few times to our company principles. A few years ago, uh, because the company has kept growing steadily, uh, it was determined that it would behoove us to formalize principles that guide our work and guide our company. I'll mention them very briefly here. Be visionary, take ownership, think holistically, improve the built environment, and last but not least, Foster camaraderie, or camaraderie. Engage with one another to build community. And, and, and this, this is an important part of our, our, our foundation. And it's something we have been practicing. But it's a nebulous thing that's, that's, that's out there. It lives out there. And I thought it, it, was, it might be something worth spending a few minutes talking about. Has that been really part of your thinking going way back? I mean, starting the company, building the company, just good relationships with colleagues? It's always been that way. We've always been, from day one, the, the, I and the, and the staff, which were just one or two to start with and then grew over time, we've always been friends in addition to being colleagues. So does it happen automatically? I mean, do you, how much, over the years, how much thought do you give when you're hiring, when you're recruiting? Um, do you pick people based on, yeah, oh, I'd really like to, you know, I think I'd really like this person, like to work with this person, like to hang out with this person. 
can you pick people? Is that something that you can judge when you're when you're hiring, when you're building a team? Well, uh, current HR policy may not agree with this, <laughs> but 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 the simplest answer is yes. Part of okay. the evaluation of an individual when I was hiring people, I was doing the interviewing, did include a, an element of their character that was based on how likable they are. It, it seemed to me that if, if an individual, like I liked you when we were interviewing, and it seems to me that if I found you likable, clients would find you likable. And, and in my experience, uh, uh, companies, potential clients, they don't hire us only for the technical capabilities they that we have, they hire us as people. They hire us because of the p people we are and who we are as individuals and characters. And, and how about clients? I mean, work, we've all worked with all kinds of clients over the years. Some you love to work with, some you dread just making a simple phone call. It's like, oh my God, I gotta talk to this person again. Do you pick clients based on good working relationships? There's no question about it. Okay. Not only the one-on-one -on -one business relationship where we're undertaking contractual work, but also relationships, business relationships at trade shows and conferences. There's the, the socializing aspect of those gatherings uh, leads to closer and closer ties and, 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 and relationships with those individuals, uh, even with competitors. Yeah, I, I've had a hard time getting excited for virtual conferences. And I think, you know, the, some of this is your influence. When, you know, when I started working for you, I'd go to conferences and I'd just go to all the sessions. I just, if there was a session happening, I was, I was in the, sitting in the seat, watching, you know, listening to whoever was talking. Now, I might go to one or two sessions, yeah. but, and I'm on the trade show, and I'm you know I'm talking to I'm talking to vendors, I'm talking to people, I'm talking to colleagues, I'm talking to competitors, like you say, and that to me, I think you've taught me is the that's the value. That's where you not only do you develop business relationships and generate business, but that's how I learn. That's how I I learn way more just talking to people on the trade show uh, trade show floor than sitting in a seat at a session, often, usually. The, the Nessie conferences that we went to for you know, decades uh, is a case in point. You and I were both at those things and, and look at the relationships that have, have come out of that. We've hired people as a result of those relationships. We've gotten... Our CEO, I believe. Yes. yes. <laughs> and uh, and you, couldn't, you couldn't do that virtually. But but it, it is there's an element of camaraderie that resulted in in those hirings and in, in those uh, uh, businesses won and lost. That's it's it does stem in some measurable part to the fact that we are comrades with those people that we mix with. One of the other things that I was chewing on was that um, so many I, I mean. People that work at SWA are almost uniformly pretty passionate about buildings, about certain aspects of buildings, good buildings, resilient, accessible, healthy, etc. 
is that, I mean, how do you, I, I think that contributes to the community, to the camaraderie. A, do you agree? And even if you don't agree, how, how, do, you, how do you find people, how do you attract people that really are interested? And, and I would say passionate. A lot of us are pretty passionate about our work. So, okay, uh, a lot of people out there in the world are passionate about our work, about their work. Uh, in our shop, they're also passionate about, about their work. That's cool, that's good. They're passionate about the work. But camaraderie means going one step further, that they are collaborating in their passion, that they, that they are like holding hands intellectually in pursuing their passion. And at the same time, they are being friendly to each other, supportive to each other, uh, 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 planning things with each other that are social as well as business-oriented. So it's passion plus, passion for the work plus a feeling of collegiality or friendliness towards one another. That's the camaraderie part. But I, I, don't you think they go together to a certain degree? Well, well, maybe in our shop, I hope that it happens, but you can have a dysfunctional company where individuals hate their job and they're not passionate about their profession, but they have fun together. They, okay. they, right? They have camaraderie. Well, maybe they have camaraderie after work, but not during work. <laughs> oh, maybe not. But, but, but uh, I, 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 okay, let's agree to disagree. I, <laughs> I, I don't think that necessarily passion for a professional pursuit necessarily equates to camaraderie with each other. You know, I, 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 we can talk about that. Like, the three of us have been out socially. Uh, uh, we've, 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 we've been at events where it's a birthday party for someone in the office or, it's a, or, 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 or we, have, we have empathy for each other when bad things happen and support for each other. Uh, but that has, doesn't tie into the fact that you and you and I are passionate about the work that we do. It sort of maybe kind of relates, but it's not a one-to-one, not, not a one-to-one relationship. Okay, that's interesting. I, I mean, I, I, thinking about this topic, I, I mean, I, I, when I started, I was, and, and I remain just really so appreciative of just amazing expertise that we have at Stephen Winter Associates. You know, technical expertise. People know about buildings. It, it's it's phenomenal. And it used to be, if I ever wanted to know, before before COVID, when I could walk down the hall and ask people, if I had a question about buildings, I'd walk down the hall and ask, ask somebody about it. You know, I wouldn't Google it. I'd walk down the hall and ask somebody about whatever I was interested in. And, and I... It occurs to me, I, I'm, I'm certainly, it's certainly, you know, shared interests, shared passions. This certainly doesn't equate to camaraderie, for sure. I mean, you can have people that are in the same field that absolutely despise each other. Yeah. We've all read, you know, uh, Tesla Edison kind of <laughs> thing or, you know, something extreme like that. But 
like, like, like an example, like I, I've asked so many people when I'm doing home improvements in my own home, I'm, 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 I'll, I'll ask experts in our shop about insulation details or things like that. And not only do we have like leaders in the field, but people that are just genuinely happy to help, just friendly and happy to help. It, it seems like it, it seems like it, it goes together. Yeah, they're happy to help. The happy to help part, as I see it, fits into the camaraderie. But just remember, the definition that I'm I'm trying to come back to is that camaraderie okay. is a feeling of friendliness, goodwill, and familiarity among people in a group. That that's that that doesn't mean like top of their profession. It doesn't mean really smart. It means you know, friendly. You know, comrades, buddies. I get it. All right, it's interesting. I, I, I was thinking that shared interests and passions can lead to increased camaraderie. But it sounds like you, you, you don't see that big a connection. I, you know, we can go back to the framers of the Constitution. <laughs> I, I was not there when the, the august group met to determine what our company principles should be, but they came up with fostering camaraderie. And, and uh, how they built on that, how they determined what that would be, uh, is, is something I'm not privy to. That the wording they came up with was, engage with one another to build community. And our community is our, our, our company. And, and I, I guess, but the, but the, Excellence, the, the, the shared excellence doesn't sort of equate, I don't think. Okay. Interesting. Can I, can I share with you some examples? Yeah, absolutely. Please. We, we used to have company picnics. We used to have company picnics when we were small enough to fit every employee and his or her family into one yard. And... That was, that was on a Saturday. It was not on company time. No one got paid to be there. And, and they, they did it willingly. They, they went willingly and they, they shared good times. And uh, they, uh, that was comradeship. That was, that was, a, that was camaraderie. Uh, they go to each other's weddings. They go to each other's... Uh, they go camping and climbing and kayaking with each other. They, they take vacation trips together. And we have the occasional union amongst consenting couples here and there. <laughs> and uh, that's, that's, the, that's that familial, familial family-type support and, and reinforcement of each other on a, at the personal level within the context of being members of the same company. And, and I have to tell you what, what it does do, what it does do, it, 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 it results in trust of each other. It, it, uh, it means that people will go the extra mile for each other. It, it means that they, they become lifelong friends. We have more alumni friends than we do uh, staff by a factor of 20 or 30 uh, because those relationships that have been built are ongoing, that they've been established and built and they're ongoing. 
So is it, I mean, in your view, is this element of camaraderie? I mean, the examples you gave were kind of extracurricular. Yes. But not, not during work, not, dur- not nine to five, only... Those were examples that were, that were extracurricular, it's true. Uh, in the nine to five context, there's not that much time available for camaraderie to take place. It's, it's I a, disagree with that. Okay, give me an example. <laughs> well, I mean, ju- just this, just great working relationships. I, I mean, just if you have, if you build trust and you have great relationships, and and I think shared interests and passions can be a, a strong element in in some relationships. You know, working together to to meet a deadline to to. To get to get a proposal out to to bring the pieces of a project together, um, th- there are so many times where I, I've worked so closely with with folks at SWA to to put the pieces of projects together in a in a really mm, concerted, focused uh, manner that that it doesn't always work seamlessly, but but. Everybody's. It's not that they have skin in the game. That's that's the wrong phrase. They they have. They want to see it. They want to make it happen. They're they're there. They're not just putting in you know putting in the hours. We have really kind of committed people, and I think part of that is part of that is being professional and doing what they are getting paid for. But part of it is just supporting each other, supporting coworkers. I I agree. That that is camaraderie. That that counts as camaraderie. <laughs> Uh, I I don't think that the the excellence, however, does does tie in. I mean, anyway, look, we we we're, we're counting gnats on the back of an elephant here. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, all right. So this this will be a stretch, but one thing that I wanted to bring up, and one of the other other podcast team folks brought up, was was uh, I think maybe even during my interview with you quite a while ago, you told me, you know, you give people plenty of rope. If they're interested in something, if they have a, a passion to do projects, you know, you give them the, the bandwidth to, to go out, get clients, get projects, do the work, uh, plenty of leeway to, to, pursue, to pursue interests, to pursue passions. Based on what you just said, I think you think that's pretty distinct from an element of camaraderie, but but I was thinking about it like with this podcast. You know, I, when when we I had been chewing about putting together a podcast for a year or two, and there was just something in the back of my head. I listened to quite a few podcasts, and I some that I really liked, and I know we have some fantastic folks here that could talk very intelligently about some pretty important topics. Uh, so I remember, I think it was we, uh, after playing volleyball, we have a company volleyball team, or we had before COVID, and we were uh, grabbing a beer after a volleyball game, and Heather Breslin and Dylan Martello and I, I don't know who said it, but turns out we all of us, and Alex may even have been there, it's like, we should, we should do a podcast. And the other one's like, yes, I've been thinking the same thing for two or three years. And so this is, I mean, this is an idea that maybe came out of, came out of, comradeship uh, and it's something that 
is still going. And that was, you know, we were given the leeway to pursue these interests as a team working together. I, I, I think, and who knows, who knows what will happen to it in the future. But, but it seems, I don't know, they, they don't seem distinct to me. There se- it seems like there's a lot, of, a lot of overlap, at least. All right. I guess. <laughs> I, I'm not going to disagree with you. Uh, it's, 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 even though I do, uh, it's, it's the, but the part that I wanted to uh, focus on in these discussions was the, the part that was not necessarily uh, a passion for the work, uh, the achieving of excellence in the work. Uh, it, it was the fact that, that, that uh, the individuals support each other and nourish each other so that, so that they can continue their professional lives. It's, it's, a, it's a subtle difference, I guess. You know, if, if, we, if, we, weren't, if we weren't friends, the company wouldn't, wouldn't survive as well as it has. If we, if we weren't comrades, uh, we wouldn't get work done as well as we do. So, yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Can you give some examples of when comradeship enabled better work, projects getting done, better buildings, bringing, bringing, bringing work in. Well, let's talk about the actual evolution of, of, the, of the company ownership. You know, the company has gone through an ownership transition. And, and I'm going to suggest a few things, but the essence is that the ownership transition that has taken place and is continuing to take place would not be possible with, without the level of camaraderie that we have in the company. Because without individuals who trust each other and collaborate with each other and support each other, you can't have the shared uh, ownership and transition of ownership in a company. F- from the get-go, there was trust, uh, uh, in in the the establishment of the of the the the, shoulder, the shareholders agreement, there was trust in the individuals determining that they wanted to become shareholders uh, uh, and co-shareholders with their colleagues, and there's continuing trust as the uh, ownership and the leadership has has changed has has been transferred. Without, the, without uh, people supporting each other, trusting each other, collaborating with each other, the transition that is now in place could not have happened and without it, 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 it would not have succeeded. Look, look around at our competitors and, and, uh, and, 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 uh, and like-minded companies. So many of them have failed during transition. So many of them have not been able to uh, carry out a transition. And partly it's because the, the, uh, the individuals were, did not trust or, or, or they were not buddies with each other. So how about, I mean, so as far as the longevity, corporate longevity, point taken for companies of kind of our size and, and type, uh, what do you have? A, how about for a camaraderie itself among other companies? 
is that something you have any idea of? I mean, it, it's it's really hard to gauge from outside another company. Well, we've we've hired people from Aaron Kranz's office. We we know people from uh, many and many of the the companies that we either teamed with or competed with or whatever. And and it was clear just in informal discussions that there it just wasn't there to the to extent extent that we had it. Okay, so you've you've gotten that feedback. You, we hire people that used to be somewhere, and they say, "I just I I, I like the people here better than where I was." Okay. Take a poll around our existing staff. You'll hear it all over again. Okay, interesting, interesting. So how does that? Do you have a feeling for how that relates to like longevity and turnover? I mean, certainly, I've been here again twenty one years. Um, I haven't, I haven't <laughs> switched jobs in a while, uh, but certainly people have come and gone while I've been here. But there's a lot of people that have been here for quite a while, yeah. and, and I don't have an idea of how that compares to other other firms to other companies. Do you? Do you well, have a sense of that? Our HR. Guru Roshin has looked into it, and uh, apparently our retention rate is not much different than than other firms. Okay. And it seems that uh, in the in the early years of their careers, individuals don't really want to stay for a long, long time at any one company necessarily. They w- would like to explore what else is out there. What, oh, yeah. what have I? What am I missing? And and so in when people have been here within the first say five years since uh, after graduating school, a lot of them leave just to explore what's out there. Some come back, but, yeah. but most of the departures have been for individuals either wanting to go to a different part of the country or wanting to, to explore different types of of businesses or different types of professions. Once people have uh, been here a significant period of time, let's say 10 to 15 years, then they're more likely to, to be like long, long-term, uh, I don't want to use the word lifers. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard it. I've heard it. I've heard it used. So, so is that, um, so when you say 10 to 15 years, do you mean, do you mean they're, they're kind of 10 to 15 years into their into their career, like 10 to 15 years after yes. graduation, yes. if they join. And they join uh, or, or stay for that long or join after that period of time, they t- tend to say, okay, you know, ah, I found my place in life, this is good. Okay, interesting. And, and when they do find that place in life, they, they tend to contribute more. They're, they're building their like long-term nest. Yeah. Yeah, I, I certainly had quite a few jobs in different fields before I started here. Um, but yeah, not everybody. There, there's people that have been here 15 years who this is their first job out of college. Yeah. It's, it's well, our, our CEO for one. Our, our, exactly. <laughs> He's, he gets mentioned a couple times. <laughs> so switching gears a little bit, we're, we have been doing some work. We've been focusing more on DEI diversity, equity, and inclusion, inclusiveness. And this is, I mean, this is, thinking about this is, is pretty new to me. I think it's probably pretty new to a, a lot of us. I, I, 
I think about thermodynamics all day. I don't think about building community so much. But the focus on deliberately being inclusive and welcoming of everybody into into the community, into the workplace community, into the com- into camaraderie. How I mean, we've talked we talked a little bit earlier about you know when, when you're interviewing, you try to gauge whether you'd enjoy working with people. Um, but you don't interview everybody, and you know people. Not everybody certainly <laughs> makes judgment calls like that or doesn't do it correctly. And I, how do you? How to foster camaraderie when people, you know, when people are here, um, people you're meeting for the first time who you may or may not have interviewed. Do you have examples of where SWA folks really were kind of deliberately welcoming and effective in, in new ways and different ways? Have you done anything along these lines? No, I have not, Rob. But, you know, ever since we've gone through the eye-opening uh, experiences of, of DEI awareness and, and Keisha, the consultant, has uh, been very uh, helpful in making us be aware and, and, and be informed. Uh, as a result of that, people have, have become more aware of the differences that different people have in terms of... <clears throat> Everything, religion, race, background, origin, age, everything, and and uh, and and uh, open their arms to getting to know them uh, much better. So it's 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 being aware of other people's station in life, and being accepting of their station in life uh, leads to a a stronger, cohesive friendliness uh, that, that maybe was not quite as strong before. Yeah. That's a work in, it's always a work in progress, I guess, but, but yeah. it's, it's really interesting to me. I mean, I, it's, it's, a whole new, yeah, it's a whole new way of thinking, and I, I'm still working on it, for sure. So, before COVID, I mean, we, we are, we're a firm with three different, well, three, now four offices with a Fledgling Boston office, yes, um, and you know several business groups, eight eight different groups with different admin groups. Before COVID, how do you think we did as far as kind of bridging offices, bridging geography, bridging groups, so that company wide there was a, a a sense of community and camaraderie rather than within the you know the dozen people who you work directly with day to day? It was always difficult. And and those ones who were more remote bore, bore the brunt of it more than others. Like Washington always felt like it was a stepchild. Not that, not that people forgot about Washington, but there were too many things going on in New York and Connecticut that often Washington was the, 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 the last thing to be addressed. And, and we did all sorts of things to try to fix it. We tried infusing camaraderie. We had an office meeting that everyone came to, including a social event at the end of the office meeting that people came to. And, and that, uh, that was uh, a clear indication of, of 
those parties went on for, for many, many hours and it was a clear indication that people loved and, and craved that kind of contact. Other than kind of, twi- I think twice a year, we used to get, you know, we used to get together twice a year. Right. And that's all we could do. Everything else was try to visit when you can, try to talk when you can, try to, you know, engage in, in collaboration across the telephone or the computer as often as you can. Yeah. But it's, 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 that's, the, that's the way it happens with multi-offices. Yeah, I, I found that, and, and this is something I could do more of, just you know, trying to organize webinars where, or just meetings or just chat sessions to, to discuss a topic and just and now now it's 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 interesting now with COVID everybody's remote nobody's with anybody yeah. for for the large part I'm, I actually go to the office uh, once or twice a week but you know in, in some ways you know I see people on video meetings I see people from DC more often than I used to because yeah. <laughs> we're doing busy video meetings so often which is it's good. Uh, yeah, I guess it's good. I, I guess it makes me a little ashamed that I didn't do so much before. But uh, and and I guess so. That that's another question. I mean, after COVID, what do you see happening after COVID? Have we learned ways to 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 do this better to bridge divides in our departments or our, our office locations? Because um, you know, personally, I think nothing's. Nothing's as good as a face-to-face meeting. Yep, I, I I go to I go to the office once or twice a week. Here we're talking in the early spring of 2021. Things still are certainly not wide open yet. We'll see what happens. But you know, I go into the office a couple times a week, and even if there's only a half a dozen people at the office, just seeing and talking face to face with those half a dozen people is really nice. I know it's a contact. It's a contact. Yeah. And, and both professionally and and just personally, you know, I'll I'll, I'll walk down the hall and ask ask Zola a question about insulation. Yeah, right. You know, rather than googling it or looking it up. So I guess, do you think that things will change after COVID? Have we learned ways to be in? I, I don't know, tie the community together a little bit more. So just. For example, here we are at 125 people, give or take. If in three years or five years it's a hundred and it's it's a it's 200, 250 people in four or five offices, uh, get your arms around that. You know uh, how people are not going to see each other very often. I mean, if we were IBM, people would never see each other. You know the the the, so what everyone seems to hope is that we'll be small enough where we can maintain the the uh, camaraderie, the contact, uh, the knowing of each other individually, yet still have the the size and the muscle to be able to be a force in the industry and to offer uh, good careers for all the all all the professionals in the company. Yeah, I mean that's that's a great point, and I I thought about that. I, I thought about this when we were kind of kind of preparing for this this conversation. But you know, is is a close workplace community? Does it only happen in small companies? 
I, I, don't, I don't know large companies, but I don't think so. I think the camaraderie is more likely to happen in small companies. In big companies, there's not quite the same amount of loyalty. There's more concern about money, you know, individuals wanting to make more money and, and not necessarily wanting to uh, be everyone's best friend. And, and in a smaller company, the, the camaraderie is more likely to be a good breeding ground. So it sounds like you're hopeful that the company will grow and that when it grows, it will be able to maintain the community and camaraderie that we have had to date. But you don't know how that's going to happen, what that's right. going to look like. That's no longer my job. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'll be there. I see why you wanted to talk about this topic, Stephen. <laughs> no, I, I'm there to provide moral support and, and, and the gray hair and the and the sense of history but the dynamics of it has to come from the individuals themselves i we are we can take that horse to water but we can't make it drink <laughs> one more quick question post covid you know people everybody's been working remotely a lot of people may want to continue working remotely do you have thoughts on that on what that will do well that that's that's going to make the social part of it more more difficult because there's less opportunity to have a lunch or an after-dinner social hour. Uh, but I, I, I think um, uh, people are social animals and they want to get to know their colleagues better. And there's been such such great results from, from the the camaraderie that has taken place the, the, uh, and all the different forms of socialising, that I, I don't see how it won't continue. It'll be more and more disparate groups, but definitely more groups. And, and uh, you know, it's part of our principle, and so it'll be up to management to make sure that it's enforced. So that leads me into another thought. You know, I, I I appreciate. I've been with the company long enough that I definitely appreciate the camaraderie. I, I have very great friends that I've worked with for years. I, yeah, yeah, I love, I love the company and I love lots of people here. It's it's no argument that there has been great camaraderie at SWA. But as we grow, it seems to you know every it seems to be we're recognizing we're valuing camaraderie is really important for us but are we switching into <laughs> mandating camaraderie and that seems like a that's it's like whoa that's jarring to me it's like that's not kind of how it works no, so I, I, I know in our our um, not our mission statement but in our principles our company print principles it is foster camaraderie it's not mandate camaraderie that's right but but uh, I could still see it kind of rubbing people the wrong way a little bit. You will be friendly. You will be friends with your colleagues. It's kind of creepy I, in a way. I agree with you. If it's forced uh, or if there's this, this fake friendliness, then, then that could turn around and, and bite us. But, but I think it requires probably from the more senior people than the, the junior people. It requires going a little bit more out of our way to, to be, fr for example, every new hire 
the day they're hired, I send them a personal note uh, thanking them for joining the company, wishing them luck and looking forward to talking, spending time with them. There's also a policy that, that uh, managers are supposed to have lunch with new hires and junior employees on some sort of uh, frequency basis. And so those, those are not forced, that's not forced labor. It's just paying attention and, and reaching out, re reaching out. Uh, uh, some of the group managers have, have taken, uh, conducted boat tours and picnics and, and events. That's not, it's not that they, they didn't want to do it, it's a fun thing and they do it and, and gladly. And it's those kinds of reaching out Potluck lunches, you know, the, the the baking contest which you win every year. <laughs> uh, they're all they're all small pieces of the of that puzzle of 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 uh, of, of reaching out to try to accomplish cam camaraderie. All right, fostering it, fostering if you it, will. Yeah, yeah. Is that a Foster's that you're drinking? No, this is a. Uh this is a Bissell Brothers Lux. I see, I see. One of my favorite beers. I see. It's absolutely delicious. We'll see if that makes a cut in the uh, final <laughs> podcast. Final podcast audio. Well, this has been great, Stephen. I, 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 had a, I had a list of topics and questions, and I, you know, you inspired several others. I, I think I've gotten through all my list. Do you have any, any other thoughts on this? No. Uh, I was going to maybe touch on some of the cross-team collaboration that's taken place, but you actually did uh, touch on that. Uh, the the cross-selling, the, cross the multi-team assignments, and that, that collaboration where these days, and I see all the proposals that go out. I, I see the lists of them as they go out. I don't read the proposals, but I see who writes them and, and, and the amount of money and so on. More and more of those proposals have, have included sections from multiple teams, five or six teams, each contributing to a part of that proposal. And, and, and that, that addresses the sort of uh, going for greatness, professional aspect of it, but there's got to be a lot of teamwork and, 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 and friendship in order to get those proposals to be... Uh, to, to be kind of in sync with each other and, and to blend with each other. And that's a, that's a, that's a massive uh, uh, accomplishment by, by the teams. That is really encouraging, yeah. And as you say, that's not, you know, that's more professional and business than personal feelings, but it, it's, I, this brings us back to where we were a while ago. I think they go together. Yeah, well, I think right. people, people sharing passion and interests um, can lead to, can reinforce relationships and camaraderie. Okay. Certainly not always. All right. I agree. I give up. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Excellent. Thank you very much. All right, mate. Thank you to Stephen. He mentioned a baking contest that I win every year. That's overstated. I only win cookie contests, and we haven't even had them every year. We've only had a few. I have won all of them, but you know, it hasn't been every year. Maureen is the one to beat on the pie front. 
And yes, this was a happy hour conversation. We were having, we were enjoying a beer during this conversation. Do we always drink during these podcasts? No, no one, no one can prove that. Buildings and Beyond is produced by Stephen Winter Associates. Our website is swinter.com, S-W-I-N-T-E-R.com. Check out swinter.com slash podcasts. That's where you can find all the episodes and show notes. Uh, and check out our per- careers page if you are looking for opportunities. We are definitely looking for help. I just looked at our careers page and counted 15 positions. All, certainly most, if not all of our groups are, are looking for people at this point. Thank you, Stephen. It was a really good conversation. COVID has probably made everyone think about relationships a little bit differently. Uh, I have always appreciated my coworkers here at SWA. Really, really fantastic and brilliant people. It's, I'm pretty lucky to be here. But COVID and, and also this conversation has, has made me appreciate folks uh, even more. So thanks to all of my colleagues and a big thanks to the podcast team here. Alex Mirabile, Heather Breslin, Jade Alvarez, Kelly Westby, Dylan Martello, and I'm Rob Aldrich. Thank you again.